Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. I'm Marge Wastik. I'm Wayne Gladstone. And this is Sticks and Stones. <laughs> the show where words can never hurt you. Oh, yeah, sorry. That was, that was, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are trying to trying to vamp up, get the uh, the intro going a little bit a little bit sharper, a little bit faster, and instead just throw it all away. Wait, wait let's, uh, let's do it one more time. One more time. Let's go. I know we're right, live. Everybody. I know this is not edited, but let's do it one more time. We're just gonna see if we can. I'm Mara uh, Chawastic. I'm Wayne Gladstone, and this is Sticks and Stones, the show where words can never hurt you. Uh, mm, I'm not sure about that. Anyway, thank you all for bearing with us. Uh, we are we are sticks and stones and if you've heard the podcast before you've probably heard quite a few writers on our show writers of various uh medium and so we're we're trying to mix it up here tonight uh we we have someone who is not a writer but rather a performer because we we think it's uh, about time we we started talking about the people who act out the words rather than just those who pen them and our guest tonight has appeared on Blue Bloods and the Americans. He's Rory Fay, and I I hope I I always feel like I'm not saying your first name right, Rory, but it that's it, right? Just Rory. Yeah, yeah, it's it, Rory. It's like R O R Y, but you know, like Gilmore Girls. <laughs> For those of you who are not looking at Rory's name right now, it's it's spelled R U A R I. So that's I think what always throws me about it because I'm I want all those vowels to sound a different way, but Rory. <laughs> And we before, kill girls, that's all I'm going to think. Before Mara gets to her first question, as she does the traditional first question, I would encourage everyone who's listening to just go to my Twitter feed. Well, actually, I would just encourage everyone who's listening to just go to my Twitter feed in general, <laughs> regardless. But, uh, you know, I only, I only did a few tweets today. And I've tweeted out uh, Rory's uh, actor's reel. So you can see um, some of the stuff he's done, which might be informative to the rest of the show. And you can see that um, this up-and-coming actor sort of looks like um, he sort of looks like if Brad Pitt and James Marsden had like a baby, but um, that's kind of the look he's got going. Which I think is is that what it says actually on your headshot? That's what it yeah, it's, it's under the skills. Actually, it's in parentheses after my name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so you guys can get a look at that to get a sense of our guest. While while I stop interrupting Mora and let her get to Mora and Rory, that's hard. Uh, let her get to our first question. This will be fun. We're going to hear we mangle our names for the entire hour. I'm looking forward to it. So, <laughs> Rory, we like to talk about you know how people started doing their art and what drew them to it. Um, and and a lot of people knew from a really early age, and they set out, and that's all they wanted to do. But um, but that wasn't necessarily the case for you. When you went to college, you were thinking you wanted to study physics, and you were, I guess, on yeah. a, a science track. So what uh, what what shifted you over into the arts? Um, yeah, you know, uh, I I did it a lot in high school. I did arts all through high school, but I was also, I guess, um you know, according to my grades and placement and all that was testing, you know, I, I was a high achiever as far as educational stuff. And I, I really enjoyed doing physics. And I, I sort of got the sense and I, I felt like this sort of feeling of reality that, you know, especially when it comes to to art, any any art really, like writing, acting, it doesn't really matter what it is. The idea of succeeding and making a living off of just that, it, it seems like a really daunting task. And uh, I am like one of the, you know, one of the first of my, me and my brother, my brother who's five and a half years older than me, I was, you know, I was the one who was going to be going to college. I had that opportunity. So I felt, you know, and my family didn't pressure me, but there was a certain, you know, expectation I had of myself to be successful, to try and make, you know, three digit income uh, and, well, we get three digit, six digit, 
you know what I mean. But uh, <laughs> and and I really well, I know because I wasn't a math major, but you know I yeah. I, actually get... uh, I know and I really did like physics, and so I applied to these colleges because you know I had a certain amount of free applications, and when I when I had to do that, I had to decide what my major was going to be, and um, and I just decided that it was it was smarter, it was safer, it made more sense to try and do physics um, at UCLA, and while I was there. Uh, I realized that that just wasn't going to be a possibility for me. I, it, you know, I just, I had no fun. Was it when you I realized you couldn't count? Was that like the end? Yeah, of... counting was the major, the major problem. Uh, I didn't sure. realize that. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was probably prevent Well, I have to... <laughs> we're going to ask you about acting for the rest of the show, but before we leave physics, which I know is what our listeners want to hear about, um, <laughs> do you remember any of the hand rules that you learned? Hand? In- the yeah. Hey, you don't know what I'm talking. I don't know. I I don't know if this is just a difference in our educational systems or of the fact that you were really correct. Are you talking not about magnetism physics major with 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 the hand rule, the handed rule, and the way that magnetism works? Is that yeah? That, I learned. Yep, yep, yep. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I do. Oh. I remember vaguely. Uh, it always threw me off though because I don't remember. I'm left-handed, so I'm not uh, sure if that comes into play. But I don't think that really matters, Rory. <laughs> But you let's see why I left. But here's the funny thing. <laughs> you then decided you wanted to be an actor. And yeah. you were all, fortunately for you, you were already living in the West Coast. And not like not like in like Eureka or or some like upper northern obscure little town. You know, you were in the heart of the matter. And you said, Well, that's it. I want to be an actor. I better leave the West Coast and come to New York. How did that happen? What was the point of that decision? Um, my, my longtime friend, uh, in high school, middle school, I've known her since third grade. She went to, so when I decided to go to UCLA, she went to a school in New York, uh, uh, NYCDA, a film Uh and TV school for acting, which she would berate me about constantly why, how I should have gone there, why I should go there, you know, really trying to convince me to go there. And so when I decided to change and, I do, so I decided to change. I initially wanted to stay at UCLA. I wanted to switch to the theater program, but they have a a annoying policy when it comes to arts and education. And I can understand or arts and and, uh, and academics. I uh-huh. can understand why they have it. But if you enter UCLA, and get accepted via academics. Uh huh. You can't just transfer into the arts. You can't transfer into writing or acting or mm-hmm. filmmaking or anything like that until your junior year. Gotcha. And you have. To, I didn't want to waste that sophomore year. And and the thing also was it wasn't a, it wasn't a guaranteed thing. I would have to wait until my sophomore year to audition to get into their theater school my junior year. Which so I right. I mean I could have waited the entire year. I could have not gotten in. It would just was a huge waste of time. And one thing I realized as an actor is you know time was is, is a big friend of yours if you can if you can just start building a career right away. Right. Right. So now, in your auditions, in your first auditions, did you ever? Um, how often was this? Like just half the time, or all the time? When you'd get to the audition, and then they would ask you a physics question, and you'd be like, "Oh, I should have stuck with it." Does that yeah. does that come up a lot? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, according to my body of work, no. Uh, I only play frat boys, and <laughs> as it turns out, uh, I just need to be able to wear a Letterman jacket, and that's it. That is the requirement. <laughs> I recommend acting to anybody out there, as long as you can wear a lemon jacket. Well, I um um for our, if you if you if you've seen our uh, if you've seen Rory's reel, uh, which I which I tweeted out, um you'll notice that even though uh, Rory looks like a fine um, upstanding young gentleman, uh, he's been cast uh, more than once as kind of a rapey frat boy <laughs> douchebag. Like he looks like an all American boy. You know like when you see Psycho and like Anthony Perkins was thought to be like the all American boy and putting the all American boy in Psycho made it so scary? That's sort of I think what Rory's got going on right now. It's like he looks like he, you know, grew up on a yacht and they cast him as you've been cast a few times as kind of like a the jock frat boy D bag. Now, is there anything in your past that helps you relate to those roles or is it just <laughs> Or does or does your past like make it harder for you as an actor? 
Uh, it's funny because I come from totally, totally the opposite side of the track uh, as uh-huh. far as that goes. I mean, I didn't. I played football my first year in high school, and I didn't really. I didn't, I didn't really. Part of the reason I stopped playing is I didn't really fit in with those guys. So it's uh-huh. really funny that you know. And I draw from. I guess you could say. I, I mean, these are like you know, these aren't like huge roles, and, and yet they're pretty one dimensional. And you, you know, you're. It's important to understand your role in a script. I'm I'm servicing you know a, a different story, so I only have to be kind of one dimensional. At these points, but yeah, it's pretty douchey, and uh, I think I, I think I can do a pretty good job of doing that. I mean, I guess I have that look. I've never been complimented more than on these casting breakdowns, as far as being good looking, but uh, being totally, I don't know, uh, condescending to everybody around me. Well, uh, let me let me ask that. You brought up an interesting point. Uh, so so you know. Um, you know, you you you've you've already been, you know, landed roles in, in two or three or more uh, series. I mean, not starring roles, but you know, as an actor starting out, you've been on TV in several different programs that people watch, you know, several times. So, but but as you said, right? Like in Blue Bloods, I think you're just like the frat boy d bag who uh, Marky Mark's older brother is bringing in uh, and booking. So, like you say, you're in service of the story. So, do you, is it hard to like find the line? As an actor, do you have to like hold yourself back and say like, "Well, this scene isn't about me. I only have six lines here, and if I try to like create a moment for my character, that's not what's best for the show." Right. So, yeah. It's it's about just being a really informed, you know, participant. Uh, and a lot, I, I feel like, and, and you get told this a lot, one of my teachers, Neil Lerner, was, uh, I think he, he was talking about when he was first starting out and he was cast in something, uh, a, a lot of these, his line was, you know, he was he was playing a cop in, 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 in some TV show and he's reading a newspaper and a guy comes in and, you know, he basically just says, like, you know, leave me alone, I'm reading the paper. And, and, and then they take the guy and they go and book him. And he goes, the, the the trick here when you're just starting out as an actor is you try and turn that into something more than what it was ever meant to be, right? And as a writer, I'm sure you understand that when you write these lines, uh, especially in like something like what is called, you know, considered a procedural cop drama, right? You know that you're not there to make everybody laugh or like, you know, right. you know what I mean? Like you have to understand what your role is, what the tone of the show is, right. what they're going for, or you just face not getting hired. And you want to save all of those choices, those decisions, the character development, et cetera. That, that's a different volume. That's a different. That's a completely different thing. I mean, that's what I want. But I have to be. Wait, wait, Roy. Yeah. Hello. You just cut in and out like five times. Is that, did you do anything differently? No. All right. Yeah, I didn't hear. Your tunnel. Just repeat the last sentence you said. Uh, I, I, I was thing as an actor you have to realize you know um no she's not and i don't even know where it was going uh it's just you have to realize what your part is in the script don't try and do too much and you save all the you know the character development all the cool shit that you learn in school isn't what you isn't what you do right away and it's the same thing in most fields you know as a writer if you're getting you know you're writing about a certain piece they don't want you to throw in all your flavor and personality in all the time you know what i mean they right there's a story that um that harrison ford liked to tell um because uh where where where, uh someone was scolding him as a young actor right like that he that he wasn't doing his job and they said oh you know when i saw a young tony perkins he's a he was a delivery man, or like it was like a grocery delivery boy, or something like that. Let's say delivery boy. And as soon as he came on the screen in that role, I said, "That kid's a star." And Harrison Ford purportedly said, "Really? I thought you were supposed to say that kid's a delivery boy." <laughs> Meaning, like, what do you do in the service of the role versus like the service of your career? And it must be hard, though, right? Because like, if you act. It- role as one-dimensionally as written because you're really just there to give maybe the more the larger character something to do um then some might say like well this kid doesn't have anything special to offer but if you go larger than that then you might be known as like a troublemaking pain in the ass 
that won't get that role in like SVU next week. Yeah, I think that it all comes down to there is like your relationship with casting directors and uh, and you know that behind the scenes stuff. In in my opinion, I mean, I would know I'm not a star, but you know, you show these casting directors you get brought in for some things that maybe you don't get hired for, but they can see your range and they can see what you can do, and and you know they're waiting for the right time to maybe call you in on a project, get you get an audition that's you know a much you know, and it's, you know, I've actually a lot of teachers try to get you not to focus on large part, small part, you know, they just want you to focus on, you know, part, right? But the bigger the part, you know, it gives you a lot more to play with, a lot more colors on the palette that you can deal with. So um, these casting directors, you have to be able to tr- trust as far as they're able to evaluate you um, and see you in these bigger auditions that maybe you don't get but be willing to bring you in again and hopefully get you on these projects. I mean, I think off of my previous things that I've done, like Blue Bars, I, I don't necessarily think that people are going to look at that, cast director's going to look at that and go, wow, what a knockout. I'm I'm going to hire him for, you know, the, right. the main guy in this movie. It's more often going to come from they know you, they know your work, and they know you can act. And, they see you in that, and they go, wow, he totally did it appropriately for something like that. And I think it's a little more, uh, the things that I've mostly done have been TV right now. And right. I think in film, which is what I would love and prefer to do, but, you know, you don't always get to tape your own career. Uh, they're a little more open-ended with those, like, one-liners and things like that. A little more, they're a little more, you know, they have more time. They can be a little more right. particular, and you can be a little more. Steve, you can make something that. happen in a scene. Right. right. Although, and, Although, you know, well, you know, I'll save this till after. We're at a good point to break, but I have a different question about what you just said. But before we do, we're at the part of the show, which is right in Mara's uh, wheelhouse, her ballywick, so to speak. And it is a game we play called uh, Stick Stone Story. And I introduce it every week in a needlessly uh, old-timey 1940s radio voice. So now it's time to play... Stick Stone Story. Take it more. So <laughs> this is a game where uh, I'm going to read you three related anecdotes. Uh, they are all true. And one of them is going to be about me. I'm Mara Chwastik, so that's Stick. One is going to be about Wayne. He's Wayne Gladstone. Stone. And one is a third person somewhere on the planet, usually a famous person, and indeed today it is also about a famous person. Uh, you you merely need to guess that it is not Wayne nor myself. Uh, and for extra credit, if you'd like to guess who the famous person is, you're welcome to do that as well. So after I've read all three of these anecdotes, you will have to determine who's who. Make sense? Yeah, sure. So I'm trying to figure out who's We just lost you, Rory. Can you hear me now? Yep. Yeah, yes. Okay. You guys figure out who's Mar- Mara, who's me, and who's just some random Got person. It. That's all. Yeah, perfect. All right. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to dive right in. And what's the theme, so the, Laura? Well, I think you'll you'll figure that out as you go along. I, I okay. think that's uh, the uh, <laughs> mystery to see. It should be pretty evident. So the first, this person was out walking a dog with some friends when suddenly the dog saw a squirrel and bolted. This person was yanked forward, tripping on a bit of broken sidewalk and fell into the person they were walking next to. Both of those people fell as well as the dog, and everyone hit the ground, and this person took the brunt of just about everyone's fall. Instead of going straight to the ER, this person said their swollen hand was probably just bruised and walked around living life normally uh, with incredible pain for three days until they were finally convinced by many, many people who said that's not right to go to a doctor only to find out they had broken their hand. That's the first. Got it. The second. This person, having broken their nose three times before, was already aware that objects were just drawn toward their face. So they were not too concerned when, while they were trying to surf, the surfboard hit them and blood started gushing out of their nose. They went straight to the ER because they'd been through this before and they were ready for the regular handful of stitches. But this time, the doctors said, nope. You shattered your nose in 20 different places. This is going to take a while, and you should really never, ever 
go into the water with a surfboard again. And the third, for some reason, this person's little league tryouts were held inside a gym. They were they tested kids' batting ability with a batting machine, which was shooting solid rubber balls. The coaches asked this person to help out and field the balls. The next kid up hit a one-hopper, which on a field would have hit this person in the chest, but on the hard floor, the hard rubber ball went over the person's mitt and hit them in the face, breaking their nose. So there you have it. We have broken bone stories. The first is the individual who broke their hand while walking a dog. The second broke their nose for the fourth time while trying to surf. And the third is the individual whose nose was broken when it was hit with a baseball inside a gym. Now it's your turn to guess. Who do you think is which story? Okay, I think I'm going to go with the first one being you, Mara. The dog. Uh, All right. Okay. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the dog. Um, number two, I'm going to go with a celebrity. Uh, the 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 broken nose several times, and I'm mm-hmm. going to take a stab and say it's Owen Wilson. But <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then number three, I'm going to go with Wayne. Uh, rubber rubber ball to the face in in the baseball tryouts. There is that what it was? It was a little yep. league baseball. Yeah. yeah. How are you? What is you it? absolutely nailed it. All three of those are right. You 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 got at least that uh, you got me, you got Wayne, you got that the, the the other one was in fact about some other person. So, wait, so wait. congratulations. Wait you before awesome. you tell us who the surfing. I'm course. not. I'm not. I was simply saying congratulations. You're off to an excellent start. Many people uh, who come on our show get none of them right. Some get maybe one. Very few nail all three perfectly. Yeah, I think so, only about two or three people have gotten. Yeah, I mean, imagine confetti just just shooting at your face right now oh, because you. This feels great. I, know. I feel like but, I've won a game show. But I'm going to guess <laughs> that the person who broke their nose surfing was going to go out on the limb this week. Um, Brad Dereef. Ooh, wow! That really took me by surprise. Uh, just have not heard that name since um, about a Last week ago week. tonight. Um, Rory, I guess Brad Dereef every week, so that's the... <laughs> okay. yeah, who is it? I like Owen Wilson. I think it's a phenomenal guess. I'm going to guess... Owen um, Wilson I'm going to guess uh, Woody Harrelson. When I was looking for celebrity broken bone stories, let me tell you, Owen Wilson was, like, top of the list, uh, but, but there were no stories. It was just Owen Wilson has broken every bone in his body, like, uh, repeatedly. So Jeez. that the the surfboard, you know, for all I know, he may have in fact at some point broken his nose with a surfboard. That seems so incredibly plausible. But the story that I was pulling from is in fact actually, uh, you know, can I call you a sexist for naming men? It was Cameron Diaz. Uh, she, Cameron <laughs> she Diaz. is the one. Wow, yeah, she is the really one. no, uh, right, that should have been easy because if I think of the second most broken nose in Hollywood after Owen Wilson, I would think of Cameron Diaz. Did did you choose Cameron Diaz specifically for any reason? I chose it because uh, she had a story that I could pull from the internet. <laughs> Why are you doing a project with Cameron Diaz? Actually, uh, she went to high school in, in the same city I'm from. Oh, oh really? Did you break thought, Cameron Diaz's nose at any point? Because I, I, I mean, she doesn't. <laughs> is that how you got typecast as the douchey fat boy rapist? <laughs> I'll, I'll never be forgiven for breaking her nose. Yeah, it's, that's it in high school. Perhaps when she was babysitting me, it was a baby or something. I, I can only imagine. Because I'm, 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 I'm looking her up right now just because uh, uh, I'm seeing it on Wikipedia here because that's, you know, that's that's fact central. But I'm trying to see because I believe she went to Poly High School, which is, uh, wow, you know, yeah, she did. She went to Poly High did. School, Long Beach, California. Yes, yeah, and there you uh, go. Well, there you go. I thought that was really, and she, really like fun. all people in the LA area, decided to come right to New York when they wanted right. to become an actor. Um, so, but you know, you were talking about. First of all, if, if everyone looks at at your reel, there's also that independent movie where you've got a clip where you're incredibly terrifying, uh, and you get a chance to actually act when you're explaining to a a tween girl. Uh, still creepy, but at least you get a chance to act. Um, uh, vaginal hygiene, which right. was an incredibly creepy and disturbing scene, but uh, gives you a chance to act. Um, but but let's take that scene out for a second. 
you've got your frat boy douchebag character in Blue Buds. But then in the real, you're also kind of like a jock in Americans. But but even though you have about the same amount of lines, I don't know if you feel this way, like you do get to act in Americans. I mean, you basically just say, who is this? But you could have been like, who's this? Who's this? But there's like, there's an undertone. There's right. like, uh, there's a little bit of jealousy. There's a little bit of, a little bit ominous. I mean, is that just you? Is that just the writing? Is that the scene? Or were you allowed to do that? What? First of all, I don't know if you agree that that's just a reflects better on you, or that's just my opinion. Or what might account for that difference when both scenes are just tiny little scenes? Well, you know, on the, on the set for the Americans, uh, th- that was it was a huge set, and we were caught in the background of a lot of these of these scenes for camera. So. Uh, me and the other actor were, you know, we're the two people that walk up. So if you if you haven't seen uh, the real, it's you know, uh, old creepy guy talking to a young girl in high school at a party, uh, and outside, you know, under the bridge, 1980s party. And me and uh, my buddy, two guys presumably on the football team, walk up. And so you mean old creepy guy. I thought he was like 26. <laughs> he's not 20. He looks like he's 32. It's Matthew Reese, and he's a terrible like 60s disguise on. He looks great. That old, creepy 32-year-old. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> well, I mean, to high, to high schoolers, that's old and creepy. But, uh, hey, well, that's, so that's, true. that's Yes, yes, that is. That's a, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. So so we're caught in the background of a lot of these scenes, So, and we have to look like we're talking, and you don't want to just stand there and and, and say peas and carrots or whatever theater trick a lot of people right. are, are told. So we kind of had this whole, you know, dialogue between me and my buddy that we would use each take that would kind of build up to us feeling like we should go over and say something. So then, you know, so we have this little dialogue that's never caught on, you know, film or camera, really. Like, you see it in the background. You could maybe catch the mouthing the words, but we're blurred, and, you know, it's focused on the main principal guys here. But, you know, we used that, and that let us walk up and kind of, it, it, you know, it definitely helped. And uh, it was funny because the guy that I was I was acting with actually was in high school. And, uh-huh. uh, and he was nervous. So, you know. It was kind of, it was um, kind of funny. It was it was good to help him out with that, and and that really put a a, a feeling to the scene, and it it made us just totally part of that reality. And I think that that's what a lot of casting directors are looking for. They just want you to be totally seamlessly part of that reality. And yeah, they it, it it works. It felt it 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 feels real. It feels yeah. uh, real. Let me ask you this, and I don't need <laughs> you to name any names, and I don't need you to get you. Wait, Mara, was that you chiming in? That was that was my voice somewhere off in the distance. But you keep going, and then no, I'll, no, I'll no, speak no, up. No, 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 because mine doesn't relate. I was going to change entirely. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Hi. It, 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 the line went weird for a second. Now yeah, I hear it. Fine. Go ahead. Well, I was going to completely shift. Uh, you know, Rory, you're um, you're going out in as many editions as uh, as you come you come by and and that's great but a huge part of trying to be an actor is facing a tremendous amount of rejection and so I just wanted to ask in general at this point how do you handle that element uh, the the constancy of rejection is it something that you have found just sort of a coping mechanism and you can just kind of deal and push away and it's not it it doesn't really trouble you or do you have to kind of uh, Sort of accept each one and move on, or, or how does it affect you at this point? I mean, New York's been pretty great for that because uh, you know you go out there and you and you give a girl your number and she just never calls you, and and that's <laughs> and, and that's that's acting, and, and and sometimes they do, and sometimes they do call you and you get a date, and and that's and that's the, that's the day of work, that's the scene, so. Uh, <laughs> And that's pretty much how it goes. You know, you, they invite you to audition and, you know, it's such a busy business for these other people that they, this isn't like a job interview where they call you and say, hey, thanks for coming in, really appreciate it, but uh, we've decided to go with somebody else. They they pretty much just bring you in, you audition, and then you're, pre- I basically walk out every audition going, you know, that's it, like what a great opportunity, like that was fun doing that, and you move on with your life. And if you get a call two weeks later, three weeks later, 
sometimes, you know, even longer than that, then, uh, then you know, then you're you're one lucky guy. So, and that's how it's, that's how it's been when I've been casting things. It was it was things I I wasn't even expecting, uh, or or forgot about. And that was something that one of my teachers in school really uh, instilled in me. That's the importance of just going and having fun with these auditions and then letting them go because you can't be w- waiting by the phone because it's gonna yeah, it's no fun. It's it, it takes all the fun out of out of that. Um, use use these auditions as opportunities to to create a relationship with casting director and don't get all caught up in the role, you know. You see, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've been you've been in New York going to auditions for how long now? A year and a half, two years, two and a half years. Uh, I graduated uh, about a year and a half ago, so I guess I've been going out for about you know a year and a couple months. All right, and just and and have you seen the same casting directors m- multiple times? Uh, I've seen a, a, a few of them multiple times, yes. Right, so even um, like in a little over a year period, you're saying you can see the same person more than once, so that's what you're really talking right, about. It's, Think of it in terms of the long haul, not not the short, like, this is the this is the role it's, it's going to make me. Exactly, and it's a relationship. You know, you want to build it with these uh, casting directors who are, it's one of the careers that, that is least, uh, applauded as you know part of the production, but you know along with the the gaffers, <laughs> guys who sell lights. But um, they you want to set up a good relationship with them because they're the people that let you in the door. And if they don't like you, then you guess what? You know if they cast the Americans, you're never going to be on the Americans if they don't like it. You know they're they're right. going to put in the door, and they're not the final say. You know there's a lot of, a lot of producers and things you have to go through and get the green light from. But you know they're they're the guardian angels of the actors in in the industry. You know, they're the ones that build careers, and so you want to go in there and and help make make their job easier by being prepared, by giving them a good scene, and not you know. All right. Being now, desperate. Are you bringing in like a basket full of muffins and things to kind of warm yeah, the time? Yeah. Yeah. The cars with glitter, like uh, Tobias from Arrested Development. Exactly. But, I actually um, am. Are you also seeing the same people in the uh, in the waiting rooms? Are you running into the same guys up to the same parts as you on a on a repeated so basis? So it's interesting because uh, I'm not sure if L.A. is just that way. I I was out on like one audition for L.A. when I was out there before I had an agent for anything. It was for a commercial, and there's there's some guys there that looked you know somewhat similar to me. But the way that a lot of the New York offices run it now is they do um, so that cliche is kind of kind of dead. It's just kind of a cliche now. Mm, they, right, right. they they cast multiple roles. So if they're casting five roles, they, you know, they cycle it. So it's, you know, if I'm the three o'clock, the 310 is a girl for some other role. The 320 is an older man for the substitute teacher for that. When you say older you know, man, you mean like 33, 34? For like 33, 34. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's still a sub. So. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> so you rarely see, you know, you really, you really see your comp- your competition. You don't even want to call it competition because mm-hmm. that's a, another bad way of thinking of it. But you rarely see the other actors going out for what you're going out for. All right, let me ask you an acting question. Okay, so so um, I've always heard, and I'm not an actor. Uh, I never really uh, ascribe <laughs> to be an actor. Um, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm sensational, but it's not my. <laughs> Um, you know, you don't that actors don't judge their characters, right? Never judge your character, never judge your character. And I always thought that was kind of bullshit, but like I said, I'm not an actor. Then I was watching inside the actor's studio and I saw Gwyneth Paltrow say, Yeah, I know you're not supposed to do this, but I always judge my character. I mean not while I'm in character and I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I always have to make an initial value assessment of them and then to to figure out what I think of them and who they are and then I let that go and I play them. And I thought, wow, I totally agree with Gwyneth Paltrow. I think that's the right way to look at it. Here's the thing. Gwyneth Paltrow's a terrible actress. So <laughs> I'm really all torn up on this. Where do you fall on the whole conundrum? Um, I, I think the easiest way to, to figure out a character is just knowing what they want. You know, what do they want and what, what circumstance are they under? And, you know, put yourself under that same thing and, you know, Maybe you wouldn't do the same thing, but just pretend you did. And that's, you know. So if you really want your brother's girlfriend, per se, to put yourself in a different situation and in this crazy sci-fi world where you grew up on Mars, it's okay to kill people. 
uh, maybe you're thinking about killing your brother, and and that's the script, right? But that's it. May it, it if you break it down to man, what a terrible guy. He wants to kill his brother. That's hard to get behind, as opposed to getting behind. I really want and love this girl, right? Right. So, so it, it's always a lot easier to act out of love and not out of hate, and you can always find ways to do that. Is in, it? In, in, in the most Wait, down say that again. characters. Say that again. Say that again. I want it. That's very interesting. You said, if I'm not mistaken, it's always easier to act out of love than to act out of hate. Correct. Like so. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not an actor. I would think it'd be much easier to act out of hate because love I would be embarrassed. <laughs> right, but but like, how one-dimensional is that? Right. Oh well, easier or okay. I misunderstood how you meant that. Okay. Right, right, right. It's a more maybe more compelling to right. act out of love. Right, right. Yeah, I but I. I think I can do a pretty good job of hating someone on screen. I think to to convince someone that I was in love would be more daunting <laughs> to me as a as an actor, uh, which I'm not. Really? Much like Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's easy to... I'm not, you know... Any extreme... That, you know, the more extreme emotion, the more you're setting yourself up for, I guess, a non-believable performance if you're not selling it. But if I had to... If someone said action, and I had to convince an audience right now that I wanted to murder uh, Rory or run away with you, I would pick the murder Rory because I think more people would believe it. I mean, especially after hearing him talk for about 36 seconds, 36 minutes. I think yeah. it would be very good. Exactly, concerning. and the whole frat thing. <laughs> Better off gone. Better off gone. Like, no, yeah. So I, mean, now, I, I, I don't want to get you in trouble, so don't use any names or do if you want. But what is – can you give me an example? Like, Look, I, it is not a slam on actors. I'm of the opinion that only 3% of the world is good at its job, whether that's astronaut, actor, neurosurgeon, janitor. Most people are phoning it in and or suck. 3% are good. So I'm guessing that in now your time in television and, and uh, the performing world, you've seen just some abhorrent behavior. Like, just unprofessional behavior. So I'm not asking you to give me any names or anything, but, like, what's, like, the shittiest thing you've seen on a set where you're like, ah, oh, this guy has a job? This guy gets, is really, they're, they're standing for this bullshit? <laughs> and, again, uh, well, you don't I mean, need to name any names. This this particular actor was, uh, who shall not be named, he, uh, I, he, was, he was cool to me uh, and, and, and really supportive, and, uh, he was he was joking around, but it was kind of borderline dickish because an intern brought him his drink, uh, Snapple, Diet Snapple. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Oh, and Christian Bale. Everyone knows that number. Everyone knows it. It's Christian Bale. Yeah. He's um, Diet Snapple guy. Yeah, go ahead. So this so this uh, Bale anonymous character, uh, <laughs> he's he he gets his Diet Snapple, and it's already in the plastic cup with ice, and. Uh, and he takes a drink of it. And I guess this intern was new. This is something I kind of figured out as the day went on. You know, I'm not allowed to ask any questions or look or really talk. You know, I'm trying to trying to get hired again. But uh, he takes a drink of this Diet Snapple. And he looks at the intern square in the face. And he goes, did you water this down? Wait, <laughs> oh, did you water this down? Oh, my God. Yeah. And, uh, and the intern kind of, like, panics. And and I I personally couldn't imagine a world in which you would water something down for some like you know uh, a set actor that you're getting into, but he kind of just like took it on and said, oh yeah you know well uh, I can get you a new one, and he was just like yeah that'd be great if you could, and then so he he takes the plastic cup and he goes to walk off and he the guy is just kind of like laughing to himself like man I really got him, uh. and uh, and. So I'm just being a dick for the sake of being a dick. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But, he, you know, one of the assistant directors, you know, talked to him later and said, you know, you're getting paid a lot of money to be here, and, and he's getting $100 a day, so maybe you ought to be a little nicer. And, well, like, we... you know, he's, he's trying to keep the day fresh for himself and stuff. Like, I mean, he, I can see his point of view, but he's just, you know. Gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. And that's why you will never work with Leonardo DiCaprio again. Okay, we've all heard you. No, uh, that was... <laughs> yeah. All right, so um, we're on to the next game, which we call Highbrow, Lowbrow. Um, this is a game, it's really, it, there's really no theme today. But typically, it's four questions, and the guests have to answer three out of four to win. 
Two of them are highbrow, two of them are lowbrow, usually not, not meaning they're highbrow questions or lowbrow questions, but they are on like lowbrow or highbrow aspects within one topic. But we're, we're going to shake it up today. These are not trivia questions. Instead, they are all challenges. And uh, because you are an actor, for the most part, they are all acting challenges. It's going to bring you back to your improv days. Okay. Um, so basically, there's two highbrow questions, two lowbrow questions. You can say what you want. You only have to get three. The first question in each category is easier than the second question in each category. They get harder within the category. So you get to pick the order. But because, as I said, you're often typecast, not typecast, but a few times, as kind of a frat boy, jock, uh, creepy douchebag, your challenge is basically going to try to, in that character, try to overly aggressively pick up a woman, a woman but I'm going to change the scenario based on whether you want highbrow or lowbrow. So, so uh, go ahead, highbrow or lowbrow. What do you want first? Uh, uh, highbrow being being more difficult? Well, whatever. Just fucking say uh, something. It we'll doesn't do, matter. Yeah, we'll, All we'll bets do, are we'll off do, this week. We'll do, we'll do highbrow. We'll do highbrow on that. Okay. You're uh, it's a so rule on here's the scene. Way. You've got 30 seconds to perform this. No, you've got 10 seconds to get into character. You're a frat boy douchebag creep trying to overly aggressively pick up a woman at a rally for Jeb Bush. <laughs> Ten seconds to get into character, and then you deliver your line. It's just one line. And then, that's pretty uh, that's highbrow? Yeah, that's highbrow. You should see what's in lowbrow. Oh, uh, God. One, okay. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten... Action! How's it going there? <laughs> Inexplicably, even though I had already decided before the show that no matter what you did, you were going to get everyone correct, you got it wrong. <laughs> you get no points for that. Yeah, that's, Next. that's that was that was the, the Jeb Bush thing threw me off. I don't, I don't know. I know, I know, I know. All right, moving on. You could still win this. You only have to get three out of four. Yeah, yeah, if you okay, won the okay. first game, don't feel bad. Highbrow or lowbrow? Uh, uh, lowbrow. Okay. This one's a little bit easier. Okay. You got ten seconds to get into character and deliver your line. You're trying to overly aggressively pick up a co-ed at a frat party. Oh, I'll let you get into character. And action. Just drink it. God, what's the good deal? There you go. There you go. You know what? Just on tonality alone, you win. I couldn't even make out the words, which was also correct. One point for you. You can still win. Highbrow or lowbrow? Uh, Let's let's, let's swap it back to highbrow. (laughs) Okay. And you know what we got? We know what we got now. I don't know if you know this, Rory, although instead of saying I don't know if you know this, I'm going to say I absolutely know that you know this. Mar and I have been behind the Feel the Burn Challenge. We are big supporters of Bernie Sanders for president, and we know that you support his candidacy as well. People say to me all the time, Wayne, you're just some guy on the street, but why do you support Bernie Sanders? Hey, hasn't Hillary Clinton earned it? Didn't she get screwed over in 2008? And to them, I say, she sure did. And I didn't support Barack Obama. I was Team Hillary. But the thing about Hillary Clinton is she's a centrist pragmatist. And the GOP has moved the entire conversation in this country 700 steps to the right. So even Hillary Clinton's centrism is far too conservative for me, who considers himself a socially liberal but otherwise conservative Democrat. And that's why I support Bernie Sanders. And we're going to do the we're going to challenge you to do the Feel the Burn Challenge, which means you can get out of it right now by donating to the Bernie Sanders website at www.berniesanders.com and or you can take a teaspoon of hot sauce to your face and digestive system right now. Will you answer the challenge? Will you feel the burn, Rory? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, not only will I donate, um, I, I actually do have a, a uh, 
little shout out to Tabasco here next to me. That is amazing. It is almost like we prepped you oh to bring God. Tabasco to the show. That, I'm I am absolutely astonished. Look at right, did you tell him to bring hot sauce? I have not spoken to the young man. I, I absolutely not. It, I have it, no it, idea. What I don't know what about. the odds could be of this. It's almost like we've perverted your appearance on the show to talk not about you, but about Bernie Sanders, who is running for president and should be supported. That's Boy, right. That doesn't sound like something we do at all. I, that, I, that I don't know. Absolutely out no, of character. We, we I, I never would, push a particular political agenda to it all is of those weird because if I was going to be rude and speak too much. Logic would dictate I'd be talking about myself. I'd be talking about going to www.internet-apocalypse.com and buying the trilogy, but I'm not. I mean, at second, I'm saying berniesanders.com. When you're done at internet-apocalypse.com, when you buy my trilogy, you take the hot sauce, Bernie Sanders. Go ahead, Rory. Take that shot of Tabasco. What are you drinking tonight? What uh, so this is, this is red Tabasco, and uh, it is about... Uh, uh, you know, not to get too specific, but two fifths of a shot. So, uh, Ooh, one, a little. God, you <laughs> really were physical nature, weren't you? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so this could get a little, a little, a uh, little sound bad, but I'm, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna feel the burn. burn and then you're gonna have to act out your. Uh, I mean, you're gonna need to hear your reaction. Okay, so be prepared to to vocalize. Get if you need uh, to do I'm any sure sort of vocal sure warm up in advance. I, I love hot sauce. I'm not sure I love it that much. For extra, go, okay? for extra points, for extra points. Maybe you should react as if you are a frat boy douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I I'll see if I can keep my focus. All right, here we go, guys. I I'm actually gonna go now for think, it. Yes, go for it. You ready? Here we go. All right, and three, two, one. Oh. Yeah, I think that counts. I think that's that, that sounds fun. That sounded that sounded painful. Oh. That sounds like a guy. Oh, what the hell was in that, man? That was fucking righteous. Like that, yeah. No, no, no. Hey, a good actor knows when the scene is over, Rory. I think you nailed it just with the explanation. Oh, no, 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 no. He gets back to the point you took away from him. That was great. That was great. Really? I really like the movie. I When I heard the exclamation, I instantly got an image of, like, a guy at Sigma Chi doing a butt chug, and I was very I thought, to me, the scene was over. I I I, I believe <laughs> it. I didn't mean that shit. Yeah, but that's why we have directors that say cut. That's true. That's true. Okay, but I'd be one of those directors that actors wouldn't like. So um, okay, I so felt the burn though. You did. God bless you, and God bless any of our listeners who 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 take the challenge. Um, you know, not that not that Hillary's the worst person in the world, but I would just I'd She's like not, but, you know. to be president. So. Um, Okay, and since Donald Trump is going to be the GOP nominee, you know, Bernie can beat that easily. So uh, so we don't have nothing. He's not like supporting Nader in 2000. You don't have to worry about it, people. It's not an irresponsible thing to do. Okay, you're two for three. You have to right. get the next one right to win. All that's right. left is the lowbrow. Once again, your character is nameless, but you might describe him as frat boy douchebag. Right. You're trying once again. The scenario is trying to overly aggressively pick up a woman, but the scenario this time, you're trying to overly. You're a frat boy douchebag trying to overly aggressively pick up a waitress at a casino in Vegas while okay. playing a slot machine at 3 a.m. <laughs> let that. Uh, let that so I'm going to give. I'll give you a few seconds again, character, before I say action. And action. I was thinking, uh, you know, me and you could go back to my place. Uh, maybe after we could come back down here and spend a few pennies. You know what I'm saying? Judges? What do you think? Mara? Um, well, sure, sure. I I would side in his favor the whole time because, uh, you know, I, I feel this is unfair. You should have given him lines. He should have had sides, actually. That's true, that's true. Well, it was an improv <laughs> challenge. I know I know he's a scripted actor, but I believed in his improbability. Those are very different, very different skill sets. But I, I know, but I, I believe that Rory is the full package, you know. I, I, I think he's the full package. I, I think he can see. sing and dance, too, like Travolta. In many ways, you're like Travolta. You're like a young... Young Travolta. <laughs> Very Saturday Night Fever-esque, yeah? 
Um, you won. You were one of the few guests who's won both games, Rory. There's only been fewer than five people who've won both games, and you are yeah, now. Yeah, I, I might have. I might have tripped over the finish line on that last one, but you know, I made it. I think you made it. I think you won. I'm just being hard. I think you're being. I'm just being hard with you. So, um, um, okay, all right. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta. I want to. What, uh, what do I, I win? Well, we were talking. You won the pride of knowing that you won, and I hope that that will actually just propel you through any of the the. And I don't expect for you to ever be rejected from a role again, so don't you know. But assuming that for some reason you get passed over. The, the pride that you've taken out of this show should just be able to eclipse any any possible moments of doubt you might have. This will just keep you through it. Oh, how sweet. Eternally, Mara, you are the grace <laughs> to Wayne's Eternally. will. Um, I'm trying to... Uh, I'm looking at your... We do a pre-show inter, uh, interview. Well, I was just going to ask you because I just mentioned sides uh, as well. I, I know that you've seen some kind of ridiculous, uh, wonderfully ridiculous sides before you've gone in to uh, to auditions. And I was actually just curious, generally speaking, do you, when when you're being handed lines to audition with, from what you've seen, would you say the majority read well are things that you're going, okay, this makes sense, this is good, or the majority are things that you're just like, this is this is really just awful. This is just horribly written and ridiculous. <clears throat> um, there are <laughs> there have been a few of those, but um, you know, when you're reading it as an actor, you don't really get the opportunity. Like the writing has to be spectacularly not good in order for you to even recognize that, because you have to you have to take. You ha- you have like it. It doesn't matter because you have to go in there and do it anyways, right? So, <laughs> so you have to almost breathe like you know, like I was just talking to my roommates about this. Star Wars Four, right, was written by George Lucas, and George Lucas isn't exactly a great writer. So, no, no, no. And by Star Wars Four, you really mean Star Wars One, right? We're talking about the Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for for our, for our, for our friends at home. Okay. No. Um. So it's you know a lot of the time the actor's job to breathe life to that right so it doesn't matter what really what the lines are and that's one of the number one things that you're always taught it doesn't matter what the lines are really it's, it matters what the situation is and who you are right but that isn't necessarily the writing so you let the writers get the credit on their own because you're never going to get paid for speaking somebody's words you're only going to get paid for how you speak words does that make sense yes I mean I know it's a little. But you know, not not to sound like a lawyer, but move to strike is non-responsive. Because are you saying that you refuse to make a value judgment because it doesn't help you as an actor? Um, I think it's only worth going. Wow, that's not great. I'm feeling pretty comfortable about improving over it. Or uh, or <laughs> wow, this is solid. This is solid writing. I like this a lot. This really flows, and I see where the particularly comedy. As I mean, I'm sure you guys realize, comedy has to be written really well. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's a flow and there's a rhythm, and if it's not there, it's 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 nothing short of brutal to get. Well, through. yeah, it's all the you know. It's funny. We were talking to John uh, Levenstein, who's uh, was a writer for Arrested Development, and I was talking to him about how uh, if you look at Arrested Development, it's it's uh, you see like a bunch of continuity errors um, because that's clearly not what they care about. They really cl- cared about the best performance, and he corrected me as he should have because. I didn't speak carefully enough. And he said, no, it's not really cut for performance. It's cut for just rhythm. It's cut for continuity. That Mitchell Hurwitz said such a click track in his head, he said, of of how the joke should be told and the pacing and the tempo, that even if getting the, the, the uh, if you know, they had a cut to a, sh- a shot of the back of somebody's head so that the audio could be right and dubbed in in the right sequence, that's what they did. That's what dictated the cut. Um, that has nothing to do with acting. But it's it's one of my favorite moments on the show, and I thought I'd tell you about it because I know you don't listen to our show. <laughs> how how often when you're reading um, something? Because I mean, that that's a tricky thing. You're not seeing the entirety of the script, which often can inform what a particular scene means and can give you a lot more understanding of what uh, perspective you're coming from. So when you're seeing these sort of page, couple pages of right, sort of out of the middle of something, it's it's it can read a lot clunkier 
when you have to walk in. And so how often do you feel like you're reading something going, all right, this is ridiculous, this makes no sense, this is, I don't, I can't uh, figure out what the character is here that I'm reading at all, and have a moment where suddenly it clicks in, where you do a reading of it yourself and you're looking and you go, oh, wait, okay, if I, if I look at it from this way, if I, if I see the character in this light, everything falls into place. Do you find that happens on a regular basis or that kind of never happens for you? Um, it happens a little bit. Sometimes the sides are really confusing and you're not sure who you are exactly. Like, you'll, you'll get the breakdown and it gives you some clues as to the character, but that's really where the casting director comes in and you have to go in and you have to go, you know. And usually they know. Um, I remember one of the funniest auditions. It, I actually got cast for this, the uh, Law and Order SVU. I went in. And and so in Law and Order SVU, I don't have any lines. Uh, there's a narration over, like, me being on screen with a, another girl for about a minute. And um, so how do you audition for that? Because that was an audition. I had to come in, and the script was just, like, you know, written very much how it was shot. It was, like, scenes of guy escorting girl through here, and then here, and then here, and then here. It's like, how do you go and audition for that? And I was like, like what am I supposed to do? I was super confused. And basically, the casting director knew that everybody coming in was going to have no fucking idea what to do. And he he was really honest, too. He was like, look, let's just, you know, I'm not really sure how to audition this exactly either, um, but what, here's what we're going to do. He goes, you know, just give me, like, moments of you, like, you know, a few a few seconds at a time of you, like, walking through here and walking through here and then walking through here. So he, like, would, he literally coached me through and was like, okay, so you're walking down the street with this girl now you're walking through the hallway everybody likes you and like it was literally me just almost making faces and uh, that was one of the most silly auditions I've ever been to you but I ended up you got booking it. that yeah I, and I, it was I, over you, he's like you did it you got the role in front boy douchebag <laughs> that's right I looked the part and I could smirk and then be uh, evil and uh, potentially rape somebody but you know that we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna focus too much on that but uh yeah, I, I remember leaving that mission going, what a ridiculous thing to do. Like, what a ridiculous, like, how are they, I left that not expecting to get it at all, because I was like, I didn't, all I did was go in there and make faces, anybody can do that. And uh, right. apparently, apparently I made the best faces, so, so here I am. <laughs> well, we are at the point of the show, which we like to call the Knowledge Roundup. And what happens is, we go around, first Mara, then me, then you. And we tell the people at home something we've learned during the last hour. So, right. Mara, start us off. What did you learn today? Well, I, I think I learned uh, that it is it is very clear that uh, Wayne's absolute favorite thing to say in the entire world is "frat boy douchebag," and uh, and if we could just have an hour where he was just able to repeat those words constantly i think he'd he'd be incredibly incredibly thrilled because uh i've, I've never heard that phrase used as much so that's definitely that's okay. definitely what i learned that's I, definitely I learned that rory trains as an actor by getting rejected multiple times throughout new york city by lovely <laughs> attractive women who would much rather give their phone numbers to other people who don't look like the baby of brad pitt and james martin that's right that's really that's really good for for women to know as well that uh, every time they just don't get back to a guy, they are simply helping him with his artistic. Be a better actor. That's and right. That's try. how they should think of it. They're helping me. They're they're toughening up my skin for my career. I really appreciate it, ladies. Um, one of the, <laughs> I learned that uh, that uh, highbrow Wayne Gladstone has a a high taste for improv. And his <laughs> And his Brad Boy Douchebag Improv uh, bar yes. is at very, very high. And <laughs> I and do I an improv I... at, in the Village Vanguard where it's it's amazing. It's simply Brad Boy Douchebags picking up people at various locations. It, it uh, The AV Club was knocked on its ass, frankly. Uh, you should come <laughs> down and see it. All the right, Marie, well, we are, as promised, we promised you we would get you out in an hour, and we are at that point now. Thank you so much for joining us. I uh, I tease you a lot because um, it's fun. 
But I think anyone uh, who watched your reel uh, that I tweeted out uh, can probably expect to be seeing a lot more of you. And you're off to a huge start. So thank you so much for joining our show tonight. Uh, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. It was a real pleasure. All right. Well, thank you. Next thank week, you. We, have, we, we have no show next week, right? No um, show next week, Mara? No show next no week. No show next week. That's right. I'm going to be gone, so it's my fault this time, and uh, presumably we'll be back the week after that. But thank you, everyone, so much for listening tonight. All right. Thank and you. And you'll hear from us again soon. All right. Bye-bye. Hello. It is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.